would you please stand with us and sing along? Let's sing about the great things that God has done for us this morning.
great things. Amen. We're here to praise you, Lord Jesus. We love you for what you've done for us. We sing your name. Sing with us.
Thank you, Jesus. That's our prayers that you would just pour out your presence in this place. We wait on you. We wait on you, Holy Spirit. We're not afraid of the silence. We'll wait on you. God, we thank you that you are ministering to our hearts right now. You're filling this atmosphere with your love, with your presence, with your joy, with your goodness. And we don't have to strive. We don't have to look for it. We don't have to search for you. You're right here. So God, we just stand in your presence and we let your love fill us. Till nothing is left but your love. Nothing is left. No fear, no anxiety, no depression, no overwhelm by what's going on. We're so full of you, so full of your presence, so full of your love that that's all we can think of. That's all we can do is just to stand in your presence and just sing the name of Jesus because that's all that matters. So in your own words, just sing out your prayer. Just sing out his name. Just sing out how much you love him. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Just sing it out. Just sing out your own words. Pray. 
How can we not clap, right? You can be seated. Join me in prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. The name that is above all name and the name by which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And that's our declaration this morning. We come before you as children, not just young, old, middle. We come before you as sons and daughters to declare your praise, to celebrate before you, and to lift up the name of Jesus above all circumstances, above everything that's going on in our culture, in our world today, above all the craziness. Lord, you lift us above the fray. You give us the ability to live above it. And Lord, that is our choice today. 
to live above it. I have this picture in my mind of just being in a plane above the clouds and how crazy you can fly out of a thunderstorm and it's just nuts and crazy and violent and get above the clouds and it's incredibly beautiful. So Lord, we puncture the clouds with you because you lift us. We've been raised up together, seated in you, in Christ, in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And it's in that place that we live and we breathe and we move and we have our being. And so we honor you in it and we lift your name above all. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen and amen. Great to see everybody. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. I want to welcome you to our second service. We had an amazing and sweet, sweet time. There was, there was love in the air. I'm just, I felt like I was on the love boat in the first service. It's crazy. <laughs> Boy, that song just went right through my mind. <laughs> Try to erase that. Think of happy thoughts, other things. So anyway, I had a total flashback right then. But I want to welcome you to the bridge. And for those of you that are watching online, thank you for joining us. Wherever you may be, at home or somewhere else, or maybe you've gathered in a home with others, depending on where you're at, let us know where you are. We'd love to hear from you. Now, you can find us, obviously, and I want to address those not only who are on our Facebook page, not only who are on our website page, but also those that are watching on YouTube. So thank you for watching. Thank you for joining us today. I want to give you a little heads up. We're going to have communion in a little bit. So welcome you to, to kind of rustle up some elements, whatever. And, and again, it's about the heart. If you can't find anything, just bring your heart to the table. And uh, join us in communion in just a little bit. We invite you to do so. And for those of you that are here with us, we thank you. And if it's your first time with us, we want to celebrate you. Can we give our first-time guests a hand clap? Thank you for being here. Thank you for being with us today. Our hope and our prayers that you will be lifted because you spent time with us, but more importantly, because you encountered Jesus Amen. among us and through us. So thank you for being here. If you are a first-time guest, you can help us out. On your way out, you can stop at the Connection uh, Center right there on the way out, and there's some cards there. Feel free to fill out a newcomer's card. You'll see it there, and just drop it in any of the black boxes that you see all over the place at the exits and, and beyond. So just drop that in, and we appreciate that. And, and if you have any questions about the bridge and anything about our beliefs or what, who we are, Feel free, and you can always find us online. Check us out at bridgefbg.com. We have everything on there. Love to have you aboard. So feel free to write us. And for prayer, we want to pray for you. So if there's anybody, whether you're watching online, whether you're here with us, maybe later you'll watch or listen to the podcast, we want to invite you to send in your prayer requests, and we will pray with you. We have a team ready to go. And so you can reach that info at bridgefbg.com. Dot com and just send your prayer request in. We'll get that out to our team, and we'll pray with you and stand with you. And then also just to remind you, and we want to always say thank you to our safety team who are always here, always on point. You don't know it because they might be sitting right next to you. Don't get nervous. Be happy about that. But we have a safety team here. Can we bless our safety team? Just We appreciate, appreciate what they do. They allow us to do what we do without having to worry about anything, but they always like me to point out our exits, so you'll see the exit signs over the doors. There's one there, and you'll see two doors going out there. There's exits out there as well. So anyway, just want to get that there for you so you'll know what to do. Also, we want to pray for churches in our area. It's one of our biggest joys is to be the biggest fan and cheerleader of other churches and other ministries, even right here in our own 
uh, area and our own community. But for those of you that are watching, we invite you to pray for your community, wherever you may be. Pray for churches. Pray that the name of Jesus will continue to be lifted high and lift them up as they're navigating, regathering, reopening, whatever you call it. Many are, and they're trying to figure out what the next step is. And so we want to bless them and speak life over them. Could you join me in praying for both the other churches in our area and for our nation as well? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you with humble hearts as sons and daughters praying for the churches in our community in Fredericksburg, in Harper, in Comfort, in Centerpoint, uh, Kerrville, Bernie, uh, and Father uh, Lukenbach, Johnson City, all these communities, Fredericksburg, right here. Father, we ask, and I'm asking for a favor. Would you send revival? Would you send spiritual awakening? And would you raise the water level, not in one church, not in one location, but in many. Lord, as you release the rain, R-E-I-G-N, we'll take the other two right now, but as you release the rain of your presence and your spirit and your authority over our area and region, would you send revival? Lord, why not here? Why not now? Why not us? So we pray and we lean into this. We lift up churches that are trying to figure out how to regather and reconnect. God, I ask that you would lift off fear and, Lord, that you would inject and infuse them with great faith to take the step. And so give them grace and favor. In Jesus' name, we pray. Wait, one thing. I want to pray for our nation. Father, how can we not pray for our nation right now? Lord, we are a, we are a nation in crisis. And, Lord, we want to come before you with hearts open and pray for you. We need you. We desperately need you. Our nation desperately needs you. Our leadership Need you. I pray for our own local and regional leadership, our, our, our uh, state government as well, and even federal, and even in over the whole world, Lord. We ask for a release of your reign, for a release of your grace over our nation and ultimately over the world to give wisdom and that justice would reign and rule once again. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen and amen. Just as, a, as just an encouragement, we have the opportunity for you. If you've not registered to vote, what a blessing we have. But we want you to know after the service, I know before they're out there at the table. But take advantage of that. If you've not registered yet, feel free to do that. They'll help you do that process. So we want to participate in what God's given us in our system. So as we move forward, I always want to encourage you in communion. And the idea about communion is that we are actually celebrating and doing exactly what Jesus told his disciples to do, and that is to remember him. And so we take time in our service every week to pause, press pause on the drama of the craziness of life, and remember him. So if you're here this morning and you have not received uh, your communion cup, we've got those available for you. Uh, Don's in the back. Uh, I see several of the guys. Uh, we've got several guys. Who is that? Who is that? Hey, good to see you, my brother. So Sorry, I just couldn't see. And uh, I've got Doc back over here. They're going to get these elements to you. If you'll raise your hand, we'll bring those to you, and we'll get those to you. For those of you that are at home, feel free to go and get anything you can find there and participate with us. They'll get those to you. They're watching for you, and they'll bring them over to you. Just as a way of housekeeping, I want to encourage you to, uh, first of all, peel the top layer first. You'll thank me later. And then also, you can peel that next layer after that. So I encourage you to do that. 
So as they bring those elements to you, I want to encourage you in something, and it is this, is that Jesus was with his disciples on the night he was betrayed, and an amazing moment happened, and it was a moment that he captured with a phrase when he said, when you are together like this, and how were they together? They were together celebrating koinonia. That's the word fellowship. And they were doing it around a table, which we enjoy that as well, being around a table together. Uh, they were reclining around a table because that's what they did in the first century. And as they were partaking of that meal, Jesus just took the moment because he knew what was coming, even though they didn't know specifically what was about to happen. And he took a piece of bread, and, and you know, we, we would say today that was matzah bread, which is an unleavened bread. And he took it, and he held it before him. He said, this is my body. And he said, this body, I'm giving it for you. And he even said, it's going to be broken for you. But the beauty of it is, is his body was never broken on the cross, you know. They didn't even go there. But in the black churches, and in, in, in our church where we pastored as in a multicultural church, we learned that the black pastors, they would say this, Jesus' body broken, and they will snap the wafer. Just that little click, just as a reminder that Jesus gave his life for us. And then he took a, a glass of wine or a goblet of wine, he held it up, and he said, this is my blood that is going to be poured out for you, and it's going to be for the remission of many sins. He's going to cover us. And in that moment, you have to know, they were wondering what was going on and exactly what that meant. But he said, when you're together like this, I want you to do this. And so we're doing this today as we celebrate, as we worship, as we fellowship. And so, Father, in the name of your Son, we are so grateful that, Jesus, you were willing to give yourself, to lay your life down for us. We don't want to take it for granted. And even in this last week, in our interactions with you, we're remembering and we're saying thank you. And Jesus, we ask you to bless the bread and the cup. Lord, thank you for pouring out your, your blood for us. You were willing to lay it down and to cover us. And we are grateful. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Our guys will come back through with trash receptacles. They'll help you out there. So feel free to drop those in there as they come back by. Another thing that we do in the context of worship, and it's always in the context of worship, is we practice generosity and giving. I want to say thank you. I neglected to do this last week. Got a little uh, bum-fuzzled while I was up here. But I want to thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity. I want to remind you, if you'll notice, that those, those receptacles are right there, the black boxes by the two doors and then there's also one over there there's another down the hall and so we have them everywhere and they're marked for you and during this next song during this time of worship and celebration as we declare revival and speak to dry bones to live and to rise up as we do that and in that context we want to invite you to take your offering that you already prepared and walk it over there and you can deposit that in the box but let me ask a favor would you bless it would you speak over it Declare life over it and declare the transformation of souls, the life change over that offering. For those of you who have given online, God is not bound to time or space or geography. So bless the offering that you sowed, that you gave. And again, I want to remind you, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. 
as we do so, we're going to do another thing. And I'm excited about this. This is the first time that we're having our children back into our Bible, uh, not our Bible, but our, our bridge kids back into their classes today for the first time. Can we bless our kids and say thank you? So we're moving forward, moving forward. And so we want to pray for our offering and for our children as they're dismissed. So when we finish the prayer, parents, if you want to help and get them there, that's your time to dismiss your kids to go there. So as we prepare, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, what a privilege it is to give, what a privilege it is to sow for life change, for the ministries we support. Lord, it's such a privilege to not give to the church, but give through the church so that others are blessed. We are truly blessed to be a blessing. And thank you for giving us what we need when we need. You are our provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for our children. We pray for the next generation. And when we declare over them that they are, they are world changers, difference makers, culture shapers. And Father, we thank you for this next generation that is anointed and appointed and called. And Lord, your hand is upon them. And we speak life over them and declare, Lord, they will make a difference. They will make a mark that nothing can erase. Father, we love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together and worship.
Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about various revivals that have happened across the world, historical. One, Evan Roberts over in Wales, 1905-1906, tremendous outpouring of God that resulted in hundreds of thousands. They recorded around 250,000, about a quarter million souls that came to Christ at that time, which led to, and then we moved to the next week, into the revival that started at Azusa, a little, on Azusa Street, a little apostolic mission with William Seymour, a black pastor who had been fired from his church after being there for a whole week. And the first couple of times he preached, they fired him and locked him out of the place. And he turned his attention to prayer and intercession and cried out to God and God showed up. And it birthed a revival, which birthed many denominations like the Assemblies of God, Pentecostal movement, charismatic revival of the 60s and 70s, all had their roots in the Azusa Street Revival. During that time, uh, it's been estimated by one researcher, which I read, who says that over 600 million souls since that time, 1906, can attribute their roots and their spiritual heritage back to William Seymour and Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. God on the move. Or as we like to say sometimes around here, Aslan is on the move for UCS Lewis fans. Now, I want to talk today about something that's a little closer to home. And it has to do with a man who became my mentor and my spiritual dad. I call him Papa Jack. His name is Jack Taylor. And Jack, uh, we were reacquainted, and I'll share a little bit of that later, but Jack moved uh, from, he had had ministered in Texas for many years. He was Southern Baptist, but he wasn't a good Southern Baptist. Now, I mean that in the best possible way because he had such a voracious hunger for the lesser-known person of the Trinity known as the Holy Spirit. And so while he was serving churches all over Texas, doing preaching here and there, he always had this voracious hunger for the Spirit of God and a hunger for God to move. He ended up in the early 70s at Castle Hills First Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas. Within his first few months there, as he began to preach on the Holy Spirit, as he began to call upon God for revival and spiritual awakening, guess what? God showed up and showed out. And within their first six months, they saw a record number 2,000 people in San Antonio come to Christ in six months. That church eventually grew in his 17 years of ministry there to over 17,000 people in attendance. And by the time that 11 months had passed, they saw over 3,000 people come to Christ, baptize, give their hearts to Jesus. Make no mistake, God wants to move a lot more than we want him to. And so today I want to share something that kind of harkens back to a foundational piece to this. And I'm calling this, the series is called 40 Days of Rain. You can show that slide But we're talking about recovering your first love. What is our first love? Our first love is the love we had at the first. 
Now, I appreciate Doyle Jennings, one of our elders, came and talked to me after the first service. He goes, but realize, Jimmy, not everyone, you know, came to know Christ at a later age. Some of us were raised in church. And so he said, we didn't have that dramatic moment like you did and many others. I said, thank you for sharing that with me. Doyle, that's a good point. I said, but did you, Doyle, at some point have an elevation? Did you get elevated, biggie size, promoted in Christ where you came to a new level of understanding? He said, absolutely. He said, when he went to college, he, he came into the place where he went from coasting on his parents' faith and the faith of his heritage, which is a great thing, to literally owning his own faith and having his own encounter with Jesus. So I'm sharing that, and I appreciate Duel sharing that distinction, because there's some of you sitting here who, if I don't mention that, you'll think, well, this is for people who have a gutter to glory testimony. You know, you, you were just down and out, and then God miraculously showed up. This is for everybody. Because whether you were raised in church, and you were the first kid in the nursery of your church, and raised in it, and you got a perfect Sunday school attendance pen every year for your entire childhood. Either way, there are moments in your experience where you can look back and go, there was an elevation at this point. Something happened. Something moved me. I was touched. I was at a youth camp and got blown away and shazam by God. I was, I was at, a, at a disciple now. I was, I was in church, and God spoke to me. You know, I was on the back row passing notes with my friends. God moved, and you were touched, and your life was never the same. Jack Taylor came into our lives later in life. I'll never forget picking him up from the hotel to bring him to our church, and I felt like I was with a celebrity. I was so starstruck. This is Papa Jack Taylor, the man who God has used all over the world. One of my heroes in the faith, and he's sitting in my car, and I'm thinking, I'll never wash that seat again, ever. <laughs> I'll never sell this car. He's, is there anointing there where he said, I was so enamored, just, just a young, excited for Jesus pastor. And he and his wife, Frida, came to our church, and they spent several days with us and got to know him. And I'm just so blessed by that. And one night... <laughs> He stopped everything. I've shared this before, but some of you weren't here. He stopped everything, and then he called us up to the front, and, and two of our guys brought a couple of chairs. They set us on the edge of the stage with chairs and our feet dangling down. He said, take off your shoes. And he and his wife, Frida, washed our feet in front of our church. I get emotional thinking about it. What moved him to do that? Was it his popularity? Was it his celebrity? Was it his fact that he has been part of great revivals all over the world? Was it because he's such a big thing? No. What moved him was love. What moved him was his love for Jesus. And it was Jesus through him loving us in that moment. And I felt like when he washed our feet, I'm never going to wash those feet again. <laughs> you know, you think these crazy things. And we were so moved and so blessed. Our church was blown away. And we, it was an elevation for us. But what moved him to do it? Love. Amen. Remember Joyce Meyer speaking at a conference and she made this comment. She said her favorite topic ever in her history of decades of ministry 
speaking all over the world to hundreds of thousands, millions of people in her lifetime. And she said her favorite topic was love. And she said her least best selling CDs back then or tapes back then, then CDs, and now it's all streaming. Her least best selling things are on love. Isn't that crazy? That the thing that changed Joyce Meyer's life for being a chain-smoking, mean-spirited, had been horribly abused as a child, and she brought that abuse into her adulthood, into her marriage, and then God touched her life. And the thing that changed her, and the reason why she couldn't get away from it and refused to not speak on it was because it was love that changed Amen. her life. It brought revival to her. It brought awakening Amen. to her. And a lot of times when we talk about things like spiritual awakening, revival, we're looking for the big stuff, right? We're looking for that which is spectacular. We're looking for fireworks and grandstands and these massive moves of God. And you'll catch a video online every once in a while of all this mass stuff breaking out. And we want to see that. But what really moves things and what the world is looking for right now is love, sweet love, to quote an old song. What the world needs now, help me somebody, is love, sweet love. That is what our culture is crying out for. Whether you call them rioters or protesters or terrorists, whatever you call them, they're in the streets because of a lack of love. The stuff we're seeing... The political wars that are going on right now. Everything you see. And if you think it's been ugly up to now. Wait till this last month run. You think it's been nasty? You think it's been ugly? You think there's been mudslinging? It's about to get uglier. But what we need is radical love. Joyce said what she had to do in order to sell all those tapes and CDs they got stuck with after these conferences... They changed the names of the messages to something real edgy, and they sold like hotcakes. She said, I'm going to get it to them one way or the other. Papa Jack Taylor called me from an airplane one time. He's losing his hearing. He's in his 80s now. So he was yelling at me on an airplane. I'm working for Dave Ramsey. I'm going, if he's yelling at me and he's on an airplane, everybody in that airplane can hear this man yelling right now and I just laughed the whole time he was yelling at me because he couldn't hear so he assumed I couldn't and as he's yelling at me I'm thinking this man has been used by God to move mountains and he loves this kid so much this young man so much that he would think to call me on an airplane and disturb the whole thing thought, Lord, that's the love of Christ. That's the stuff of life. And that is what we are suffering in our culture from a deficit of love. And yet, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, Boy, those are huge, are they not? Couldn't we use some more faith right now? How many of you think we could use some hope right now? He said, these things remain and love. He said, but the greatest of these 
You would think faith, right? Oh, faith that moves mountains, faith that, that heals the, raises the dead, heals the sick, opens blind eyes. You would think it would be faith, but it's not. It's love. Before we even get to the scriptures on the screen, I happen to mark this passage. It's on my heart even before we started. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not, help me somebody, love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith, there it is, that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Oh, I was so reminded of this this week. Nat and I had the privilege of getting away. We, we didn't do like a big vacation. We just went down the road to one of the lakes around here and just chilled. And I made the mistake of going online and watching videos of people in Milwaukee and Madison destroying property and can I just be really transparent? I got mad. Man, I got mad. I was like, this white, sensible guy from West Texas who was taught never to mess with other people's stuff, no matter what, just I couldn't take it anymore. And I violated my own policy. And I went on Facebook and I posted something out of anger. I even prayed about it so it would be spiritual. <laughs> and then didn't listen. I even had Annette proofread it, and she was so mad, she said, post it. She was mad, too. We were both mad. I violated my own principle. I'd never go in, into politics or promote any kind of negativity or division, and I threw this short thing out there. Then I left my phone on the table. We went to the pool for a few hours. I came back, and I, you would think the end of the age had happened. I mean, uh, the apocalypse on my Facebook page happened. And the responses I got were mind-bending. And my heart broke as I read through post, uh, comment after comment of people, things they were saying to me that were mean, things that they were saying about the situation. And these were Christians, and many of these were people I've walked with for decades, knew them in churches I pastored, or they were in my youth group, or I went to high school with them. And the, the fangs and claws came out. And I thought, how thin-skinned have we gotten? And the Lord whispered to me, I didn't even tell Annette this. He said, did I tell you to post that? You ever had one of those uh-oh moments and it's way too late to take it back? Yeah, I had one of those. I was grieved in my heart, grieved in my spirit because my commitment on social media has always been to be positive, life-giving, be a life leaker. And here in a moment of just weakness and frustration, no, 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 I was angry. No frustration. I was mad. I was ticked. And in that moment, I let my fingers get ahead of my brain and my spirit. And I created a mess. 
What do you do? You repent is what you do. So let me help you with something. Speaking of love, that's my example of not acting in love. Listen to this. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, there's seven letters. This is the first of seven letters to seven churches, but really they're to all the churches, but he gets specific to each of these churches. John on the Isle of Patmos, he's been banished there for being a Christian, a Christ follower, and now it, during his prison sentence on this island, alone, abandoned, Jesus shows up and starts what we now call the revelation. The revelation, like when you peeled the top off of your cup, communion cup, you were, that was revelation. You were peeling back to see what was exposed. Then when you peeled the juice, hopefully without launching it on your neighbor, you were also peeling back. You were revealing something. So the Spirit of God, Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, begins to reveal to John. That's what's called the revelation. In the context of that, these seven letters get introduced to the leaders of the seven churches, starting with Ephesus, which is a church that Paul planted on one of his missionary journeys. And it was a very influential church. We've studied that book before. So I want to start with that, and I want you to hear something. To the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus. Angel, wait, there's an angel over the church? Actually, this could be translated in several ways. It could be messenger. It could even be pastor or shepherd. And so it's, it's iffy about what that specifically is. You can judge for yourself. To the angel, messenger, pastor of the church in Ephesus, leader. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I'm reading from the NIV. What you're seeing is the New King James. That's why it reads a little different. Verse 2. He starts off in a very positive way. In fact, the Spirit of Christ now uses what we call the therapeutic sandwich. You know what a therapeutic sandwich is? You have to kind of come with something positive. Then you deliver the goods, ouch, and then you end on an up note. That's a therapeutic sandwich. Some of you wondered and you're going, hey, Jimmy's done that to me before. So that's what that was. Yeah, there's a method to my madness. So listen to this. Therapeutic sandwich is beautiful. He says this. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. Oh, he's building them up, lifting them up. They're reading this going, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. Congratulations, church. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be missionaries, apostles, but are not, and have found them false. Good job. You have persevered. And have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, way to go. Yet, I hold this, nevertheless, yet, I hold this against you. All right, here comes the middle of the sandwich, right? We already got the outside crust. Now we're getting the middle. He says this, you have forsaken your first love. You have left, forsaken your first love. I love it when the Bible interprets itself. So listen to this. He gives the remedy of what to do after you have left your first love. Some of you here right now, you're at a place where you're very dry in your spirit right now. Some of you may say, I don't even know what that means. Well, what it meant for me as a 19-year-old is that I knew where I was headed, and then Jesus interrupted and disrupted my life, and it 
burst forth the fruit of the Spirit called joy into my life, and it changed everything. Changed everything. I was that radical kid. I was the 19-year-old who was exploding with gratitude because God interrupted my life and loved me enough to let me know that. And when he did, it was a game changer. It was a trajectory changer. It was an eternity changer for me. I gave my heart to Jesus, leaning over the hood of a pickup, and joy flooded in. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and the one we don't like to talk about, self-control, self-government, came in. And it changed my life forever at 19. I'll never forget those well-meaning adults in church who came beside me and said, young man, I know you're excited now about Jesus. But there's going to come a day when it's not going to be exciting. When you're not going to be really, there's going to be a day when you just, you're going to need to calm down a little bit. You're just a little too excited. Can you just imagine an adult coming along to a young person who is on fire for Jesus, who has just given their whole life to him after living 19 years on their own, and now they've found life and hope and peace and all that comes with salvation, and coming along with big buckets of cold water and saying, you know, you're going to wake up one day, and it's not going to feel like this. You know... I was excited too one day, like you. I used to believe the Bible like you do, but I learned and life happened and now I don't believe all that. It may not even be literal. And that Holy Spirit stuff, stay away from that. He's dangerous. And those dangerous charismatics down the street, don't go down there. They're wild for God. They're out of control. God's not the author of confusion. I heard all this stuff for years. No wonder my spirit was starving after being a Christian for a few months. Here I am. I'm so excited. My life has been changed, and I go to church, and nobody else is excited. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? You're like, how can you not be excited about this? How can this not be the most amazing thing ever? That's right. It's better than DVR. Hallelujah. It's better than anything. I have this against you. Forsaken your first love. That was my first love. That was the love I had at the first. And for you, it's the love you had at the first. Or it's the love you came into, even being raised in church, but God stepped into, and as Doyle said so beautifully, he owned his own faith for the first time, even growing up in the context of church. You've, you've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Remember. There's your first step back. Remember how you were. Remember your first love. Some of you need to pause right now and remember what it was like at the first. Were you excited? Amen. Were you on fire? Were you scary to be around to your friends? <laughs> I was. Still am. 
We spent our whole vacation talking to people about Jesus because we just can't help ourselves. And God kept, but it wasn't that we were like trying to be evangelists. I didn't take any gospel tracts. I didn't take my Bible to the swimming pool. We just showed up and people started talking to us. And Jerry, they started what we talk about all the time. We were, they just started asking questions. Used to when we were out, people would say, so what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a motivational speaker. I mean, I, I was always trying to avoid to say the P word. I'm a pastor because people get weird around you and then they suddenly start acting strange and they stop cussing, they stop being real. And, and so it's always weird. So I, I was, there were years I would, I would avoid it. Now I'm just like, I'm so proud of who I am in Christ. I'm so thankful to do what I do. I go, I'm a pastor. And sometimes you get, that's amazing. And sometimes you, you get, they like, move out of the pool and go do something else. And that's okay. I've, I've parted the waters many times. But this was different. We had people talking to us right and left. And all we did was answer the questions, Jerry. That's all we did, Mr. Trial Attorney. That's all we did, Mr. Trial Lawyer. Answer the question you're asked. And we had glorious times. I'm not 19 anymore. But let me tell you, my first love is as real to me in this moment as it was the day I stepped over the line, leaning over the hood of a pickup and prayed to receive Jesus. I remember it like it was yesterday. The hood was still warm. I remember everything about it. And I was wondering, where did that rock chip come from on my pickup? It, I, literally, it was so detailed. It's in high def today. Remember the height. Remember from where you have fallen. Some of you need to go back and remember and recall your testimony. Something, something Annette and I do often is we retell our stories to each other. We go, do you remember that time? When we were so broke, we had nothing. We didn't know how we were going to pay a bill. And that professor from Howard Payne showed up and gave us a $1,000 check. And we were able to pay for the repairs that needed to be done on our church building so we could get our gas turned back on. It was a miracle. A miracle. Out of nowhere. And we retell the stories of moments when Jesus and God and the Spirit showed up and we stir ourselves up. We remember from where we have fallen. It reminds us of our first love. Here's the second thing. Repent. Now listen, I'm not talking about the guy in Los Angeles on the corner with a placard that says, Repent for the end is near. I'm not talking about that guy. Because that is a mentality, unfortunately, where we've taken the word repent and we've done something to it where we put the cart in front of the horse. See, the way we typically think about repentance, and maybe you think about it this way, but I'm going to give you a new way to look at it. Typically, we think in this term, I need to turn away from the junk of my life. I need to repent. So we're, we're focused, we're sin-focused, we're junk-focused, and I need to, I need, I, I need to, I need to, I need to. So the problem is in me, and the problem is in I'm focused on this stuff. But repent literally means turn to not just turn away. Can you imagine getting the horse in front of the cart? You know, that probably works a lot better. And now your whole mentality is, I'm going to look to Christ. Because here's the deal. If you're anything like me, which I have a feeling you are, we're all wired from Adam the same way. There's not a lot. I, I don't have a lot of willpower to deal with this stuff. It's bigger than me. It's stronger than I am. It has a massive hold on my life. And so for me to try to, here's what we think repentance is. Clean your act up and then go to God. Let me tell you what biblical repentance is. 
It's turned to him, and your back is on this. And now this stuff is in your past, and it is in your wake. Because you're moving toward him. You'll hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it, whether you turn to the right hand or to the left. That's Isaiah 30. Because you're going forward, he's directing you. So we turn to him. That's being Christ conscious instead of turning away from our stuff, which is being sin conscious, stuff conscious, habit conscious. This is helping somebody right now. I know by the Spirit it is. Because you need to get your eyes off of this and get your eyes on him. And now we go to him and this stuff has to fall away. Amen? Amen. Listen. Remember, repent. You know what the third thing is? It lays it out right there. Redo. I'm a preacher. i got to throw an R thing in there. It's alliteration. I can't help myself. Remember, repent, and redo. Do the things you did at the first. What did you do when you were excited about Jesus? You probably worshipped and scared everybody around you. You were probably reading your Bible a lot. You were probably praying about everything. You may have even blessed your food in a public restaurant. Who knows? You were doing things that maybe you have grown up from and have left behind, thinking they were childish and young and immature. Because, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm civilized now. Redo. What did you do at the first that got you there? Go back. For me, it's simple. In fact, let me share a story, and we'll close with this. I want to invite the worship team up as I share this. I want to, I'm talking about love, and I want to give you a living, breathing example right now. Some of you know Bill Loveless. Now, Bill's probably watching me right now, so Bill, I love you, but I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> Bill Loveless at 70 years of age, has fallen head over heels in love. I mean, he is like a child. And the last four, five, six times I've been with Bill, I basically sit and listen to him gush about Jesus. I mean like, like a seventh grader going out on their first date when their parents take them to the movie and drop. He is like, he cannot stop talking about Jesus. And he would tell you, it's almost like he's been born again again. I mean, literally, he's not even the same guy I knew a year ago. God is working deep in him. And I have to share this with you because he texts me all the time and it's gushy stuff. It's, I'm like, geez, are you like sixth grade or what? Listen to this. He wrote this to me yesterday, yesterday at 744. Good morning, Jimmy. As I was thinking about you this morning, the Lord brought these questions to my mind. To mind. Do I satisfy you? This is you know, the Lord. Am I enough? How deep is your hunger and thirst for me today? Is your soul yearning and spirit longing to go deeper in your intimacy with me? Are you beholding my beauty and seeking to love me more deeply? No, I'm at the swimming pool right now on vacation. How many of you know, though, we don't actually take a vacation from the kingdom, right? Do you really understand how deeply I love you and want you for myself? And then he says this, I'm praying for you and your message tomorrow. Love you, brother. Well, let me just tell you something. That will mess you up. So this morning I wrote this. You may have seen it online. This is my post for today. 
I called it the greatest of these. And here it is. One of my dearest friends has fallen in love. He's a wreck. <laughs> He's undone. It's all he can talk about. It's all he can write about. Every text to me is about how much he is in love with God and how he is loved by God. It's a beautiful thing to behold, considering he is, I wrote almost 70. He corrected me later. He said, hey, I am 70. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. 70. It's almost as though he has been born again again. It has been one of my great joys in recent days to sit and listen to him gush about Jesus. This is as it should be. As I look at the state our nation and culture is in today, it is clear we need to be focused on love, not hate, fear, or disdain, which I was full of when I saw that video and others like it. It has done something in me dark. There is a righteous indignation, by the way. There is a righteous anger that is legitimate. I crossed the line. This would be a good time to fall back in love with him all over again. Rekindle your heart, love, and passion for Jesus by doing the things you did at the first. Prayer, worship, Bible study, fellowship, sharing your faith. It's time to get back to where our love for God first began. So my simple ask for today, because I have an ask every week, is this. When was the last time you remembered, you repented, and you redid? You went back to the first. I told Annette not too long ago, and I told my staff this. I feel like God's called me back to basics. Look, I'm going back to boot camp. I'm going back to the original stuff, the, the basics of simple prayer, the basics of journaling, the basics of reading the word and just spending time in worship. And for me, binge watching pure flicks. I mean, that's been a huge blessing to me. Going back to the things that created this passion, love, and hope. And I have to tell you, to be honest, I'm having to push some other things aside right now. I've been on a steady diet of news for a while, as many of you are, and it's good to be informed. But when it begins to take over my life and my spirit and my heart, and where I'm actually watching Tucker Carlson before I'm getting in the Word on any given morning, something's off. And I've got to get back to center line, back to the place that I left. That may be you too. Because what the world needs now, help me somebody, is love, sweet love. As we go out, we're going to go out with a blessing today. We're going to play two rounds of it. If you need to go in the middle, that's fine. But we're going to, we're going to stay and just linger for a moment in the heat. And we're just going to be with him for a moment. And can you receive what is about to be sung over you and receive it as a, as a stepping stone back to your first love? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're here as sons and daughters reclaiming maybe what has been lost or at least hidden or stuffed or forgotten or neglected. 
And Lord, we want to turn to you in repentance. Not even worried about the stuff. We're worried about your turning to you. Our focus is on you right now. And even in this, as we sing, as we worship, as we declare, Lord, we receive this blessing that is being sung over us. And we do it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, let's all stand together and let's worship together on the way out. children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations your family your children and their children their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you
are most welcome to go. You're blessed as you go. We're going to just linger for a second here in the presence of fellowship together as we worship and rejoice in what he has done and what he is doing and what he's prepared to do for us. The Lord is stirring in your heart, asking you to respond today. We have Pastor Jeffrey is here to respond in the prayer room. We are around. We're available to you. Let's sing together. Lord bless you.
Lord, this morning as we go. In our coming and our going, we are blessed. God bless you. You are dismissed.